Hi, this is Alex Hernandez, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I'm Sam Hughes, and I'm joined by Alex Hernandez. Thanks for joining us today. Alex, how are you? Howdy, Sam. How's it going, man? I'm good. Pretty good. So, excellent. Before we talk about your recent roles in Mafia 3 and The Walking Dead, tell us how your acting career actually began. So, I was geared for academia. I was going to be a lawyer, um, and I went to this kind of fancy smart school down in Florida and I wanted to take an easy class honestly and I took drama <laughs> and um, I had a wonderful teacher Miss Shirley Sachs and she saw something in me and I was really lazy I wasn't really trying I was just kind of there yeah and she was like listen you're good you could be really great if you put effort into this and um, something about that kind of positive reinforcement just someone seeing potential and calling it like it was I worked really hard for her and um, yeah, it changed my life. Wow. Yeah. It makes a big difference when someone actually believes in you and gives you that confidence. Totally. Especially when, you know, when you're a teenager and everything's fragile and your ego's shot to hell and, you know, you're going through all these changes all the time. And uh, yeah, she was really amazing. So excellent. So would you say that was your kind of turning point or would you say there's a big break that you kind of had throughout your career? Um, I mean, to be honest, from that point, it's been pretty steadily uphill. Um, I've been very, very fortunate. I work very hard, but at the same time, it, it, I'd be a fool if I didn't chalk some of it up to luck because just being in the right place at the right time, the right person liking you, not reminding the wrong person of their ex-boyfriend or something like that. Because you know? <laughs> um, I, I went to school, I went and got my BFA in acting uh, at the University of Florida. And since then, I went and did an apprenticeship in Louisville. And I've just been working steadily in theater in television, in radio commercials, and in video game voiceover. And um, I've been incredibly blessed, super fortunate. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, you've had on-screen roles, you've been in theater and everything. What made you decide to start looking towards the VO route? Uh, honestly, I, it was since I was a kid. I mean, I played games growing up. And um, something about voiceover particularly, it's it's magical. Like, when you're on screen, you're concerned about a lot of elements that are within your control, like the way you look, the way you behave, the way you act. Yeah. Voiceover is such a collaborative art because you lend a voice to a character that someone, someone designs like on paper in a 2D rendering. They give that to an animator and a team of animators make that 2D rendering come to life. Yeah. And like all of these people working together end up creating something much more magical and interesting. And then as an actor, you get to really have fun and play around and, I don't know, let loose because so much of, of being on camera or in theater is like restrain it and keep it in. And voiceover is like, nah, let it fly. Just have as much <laughs> as possibly have. Uh, it's great. And do you think, I mean, obviously, apart from when mocap comes into play, but do you think that voice acting kind of lets you focus more on the acting itself and the performance because you're not worrying about what your hands are doing or, you know, where you're standing or where your markers are? There's definitely an element of that. Um, there's a freedom in it, right? Like, because now, uh, there's a concept of genius being something that's outside of yourself. Yeah. And so there's this influence, uh, coming in and it's sort of that those are the animators, right? Like that's the influence you have no control over. So you're just lending a little bit of help to something. So in a way, yeah, you're right. There's a freedom there. Oh yeah, for sure. And is there, is there a moment so far that you're most proud of? One of the proudest things. I did a play in Dallas, or actually the first time I did it was in Louisville, and I, I replaced someone with four days before opening night, oh, and wow. this guy spoke, yeah, it was, 
This guy spoke. It was like a like a modern day Hamlet in a way. This guy spoke mm. like two hours of a two hour and fifteen minute play and never left stage. Wow. And I replaced it four days before, and I like it was a dream of mine because I loved the play and I had auditioned for it and didn't get it. And doing it was uh, getting the phone call, getting on a plane, and showing up and preparing. It was New Year's Eve. I went and celebrated New Year's Eve, and then I went to my room and cried in the mirror because I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck did I do?" Why did I agree to do this? This is ridiculous. No human could do this. And why did I, I'm going to fall on my face. And then the people around me just like lifted me up. It was magical. It was, it was great. Oh, amazing. I bet the sweat set in though. Like <laughs> at that point, just what? the sweat. <laughs> it was great. It smelled horrible for like a week. <laughs> Excellent. So one of your most recent roles was as Lincoln in Mafia 3. Yeah. Um, what was your audition process like and how did you kind of get to be Lincoln? So something I'd always said to my representation was like keeping keep a nose out for uh, video games because before Lincoln, I had only done uh, some AI voices for uh, The Division. Right. That was the only video game credit I'd ever had. And I, I it was something I always wanted to do. Right. It's a different form of narrative. And uh, so I got this audition and we thought it was a movie because that's how they had sort of advertised it. Yeah. And um, I went in, did a normal audition where you're on camera and you're with a casting director and it went well. And uh, she was like, hey, can you stay around and play? And I was <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> the word and play. Like, it's, uh, just, huh, uh, short. And, uh, yeah, and basically she just opened the room up a little bit and we had a lot of fun. And I just went back in like a normal, uh, had a callback, like a normal film audition. Yeah. But as I kept going, I was like, there's something about this that strikes me. That it, I don't think it's a movie. It seems interactive in some way. And I thought it was like a virtual reality event. I, I couldn't quite right. put my face. And literally, Sam, until I showed up, in California to record the vertical slice for this game, I didn't know that it was a game and I didn't know that it was Mafia 3. Oh, wow. No idea because they're so secretive. They keep everything under wraps and like until they're completely sure that one, I was their guy and yeah. two, they were going to make the game they thought they were going to make, they saw no reason to give more information than necessary, which to be honest, I don't fault them for. They work on these games for you know, five to 10 years and on these big open world endeavors. And like, that's a lot of effort to go to shit for someone finding out and then trolling it on the internet. Oh, Do you yeah, know what I mean? And like ruining. Yeah. The modern day has kind of ruined the, the reveal of games. <laughs> but yeah, I had no idea that I was doing Mafia 3 until, and I had no idea that I was Lincoln Clay. All I knew was that I was this soldier who had this, this, the original scene was me torturing this guy with chicken wire. And, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> interrogating him like a low level mafioso trying to get information about his lieutenant. And um, that's all I knew. I didn't know that I was the protagonist of the game. I didn't know any of it. Right in at the deep end though, straight into a torture scene. Yeah, it was pretty fun, I got to admit. Yeah, I mean, um, I was going to ask what was unique about that project, but one of the most unique prospects is how on the line it is a lot of the time. It deals with a lot of intense issues, doesn't it? Like it deals with racism, it deals with a lot of like you say, torture scenes and, and quite a lot of intense stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and credit to Bill Harms, the writer and his team, uh, Ed and Charles, like they pulled no punches. They went in and I, uh, hangar 13 for whatever reason was like, hell yeah, set the dude on fire, string him up from a Ferris wheel and uh, tie him to a, a statue of Andrew Jackson. 
Like there was a scene that that ended up getting cut originally. It the game was gonna not originally. I take that back. At some point in the process, the game was gonna open with a scene of Lincoln Clay as an 18 year old being lynched by the kit, like by the um, uh, shit, the Southern Union, and to break out of the noose and kill the dudes trying to hang you from a tree. Like that's how the game was gonna begin. And I, Holy crap. I yeah, and that was drawn, but it was it, like we shot that. We shot that scene. They wrote it, and we did it. And it was um, three three of us hanging from a noose. And yeah, uh, they really went there. And I think they deserve all the praise they've been getting for one authenticating that experience. And I think there's a lot of conversation now happening about telling narratives, and particularly narratives of ethnicity, and yeah. who can and can't, and why they can and can't. And Bill Harms is a white man, but I think he did his due diligence, did his research, and did his best to serve the story as he could, having the job that he had. And I think he did a wonderful job. And um, yeah, kudos to them for going there. <laughs> yeah, and it's been widely well received. So he obviously did his research properly and he's been well informed. And he's obviously got a team around him that, that embraces it as well. Yeah. So how did you develop the character of Lincoln throughout the game? Because like, like we've said, there's a lot of intense moments. He's already been through a lot before you even start playing as him, right? Totally. Um, and for me, the, the beginning of any character is, is the imagination, right? Because there's so much information. Yeah. As you say, he's gone through a lot before we even see him. And the developers have a, a very specific view of what that is. And they give me such they give me as much information as they can. And I take that and I have to extrapolate that and develop my own like imagined backstory for what this dude's life has been before this moment yeah it's been really cool because it's the only time it's the longest i've lived with any character in my career i've been with this guy for three and a half years like i just wow. finished my last recording session for adr uh two weeks ago and so i just finished like being lincoln clay after beginning at the end of 2013 and it's it's been really cool to see how in the beginning he was sort of almost a terminator, like only driven and there was no sort of emotional depth. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a bad thing at all because we were just sort of fleshing out who is this guy overall? What is the impression that we get of him? And there is a certain element when you finish the game, like this guy's a bulldozer. He, he runs through an entire city and um, is, is strong of will and being an army man and an orphan, like he's gotta be hard. As we kept going, it was really cool to see how the writing team developed more and more emotional moments for him, like his relationship with Nikki, his relationship to Burke, really hating this dude, finding out he has cancer, and then by the end being like, fuck, I I want to hate you because you're not a good dude. <laughs> you're, man, I see why you ended up being a bad person. Um, and so there were, there were all these moments of empathy that I thought were really great and I think necessary. That's, that, that's what attracts me to acting is being able to show humanity through someone else of course yeah and what would you say was the biggest challenge of voicing lincoln trying to make sure that he didn't come across as a one note uniform killer right that he had a heart and that like things mattered i think another um because obviously i'm talking to you now like there is a bit of an i put on an accent and i do pitch it pitch his voice lower than mine so there was a lot of concern about like all right, we have to make sure it stays in the same vocal range all the time because it's not my natural speaking voice. Yeah, sure. Me arguing often being like, it's okay that his voice cracked a little bit or like went high 
because he's just feeling he's happy he's excited like people with deep voices sometimes are like hey what's going on man you know that you don't always speak in your lower register and that was an interesting yeah. challenge was uh modulating that trying to make sure it was consistent all the time yeah i mean that must be quite a struggle for because like you say it's been like three years right yeah and other jobs in between right so i'm working between lincoln clay and whatever play i'm doing or whatever tv show i'm working on at the same time yeah so how do you um do you listen back or do you just have it sat there ready in your mind and your, your mouth ready to go to in terms of you know how to just switch lincoln clay on now yeah it, it kind of is like a train track almost and um god bless the writers for being so good at their job because when i get scripts like it's already in his voice do you know what i mean yeah they do a really good job they always have done a really good job of writing the character as they heard him and i i honestly have to do very little work in terms of making lincoln clay sound like lincoln clay um right yeah which is a blessing as an actor you get a good script and you're like finally somebody somebody story like understands what a character arc is <laughs> But you've also so you've also recently done um, work on Telltale's The Walking Dead series in season three, right? You've been playing David. Yeah, I have. Uh, also with Jeff Shine, who uh, plays Danny in Mafia Three and plays Javi, my brother, in The Walking Dead. Oh, cool! Yeah, right. So you're getting to work together again. <laughs> so what was the process like? What was how was it different to working on Mafia Three? Oh man, Telltale—they're so unique. I really love the the style of game that they've developed this sort of like choice oriented uh, branch tree branching um, game where like you're, you're deciding your conversations and your interactions and that determines the narrative you experience. And it's really weird to record, to be honest, because <laughs> mafia was a linear story, right? So when we would shoot a cinematic, you'd have a script. So it was basically just shooting a, a film. Yeah. Telltale is like shooting the order you go in is each choice. So if it's like you're talking, Javi's talking to David, David's mad and David punches Javi and Javi has to react. And it's like, yeah. uh, say, punch him back. I have to record that experience. Then we go back to the same choice and it's the choice if Javi decides to do nothing. So I have to record all of that. Then you go back to that choice and it's if Javi does nothing at all. Then you record all, so it's like you live the same moment repeatedly yeah for about an hour <laughs> it's very bizarre but it's really fun and and honestly kind of interesting because you end up the moments get richer because you have to play with them longer because in yeah. games frankly you don't get the scripts often too far ahead in advance which yeah i wish was different it'd be nice to have them to prepare but um when you get them suddenly like if you get to play with them more you get to find out more about what's happening in a moment of course yeah and it must be quite tricky. So when you start getting to the later choices, um, do they have to, do they remind you or do you have to remember what choices have gone before? So it's not only just like this is what you're reacting to now, but you're reacting to this because earlier they chose this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're they're great about reminding you of that. But I think also they do a good job of writing those those tree branches in a way yeah. that you remember. You're like, oh, shit. OK, yeah. If If he shot that guy, there's no way that I'd be saying this. Uh, this right, goes okay. with this other choice that happened before. Okay, so like, if, if the characters you've played, um, so obviously you've got Lincoln in uh, in Mafia Three, and you've got David in The Walking Dead. They're quite, they're both quite intense characters, aren't they? Yeah, soldier boys. Yeah, yeah. So what what kind of character would you love to play? What would be one that you would just love to play around with? Honestly, like uh, 
someone really silly, really small, and really evil. <laughs> like someone who talked like this. <laughs> you <know>? Excellent. <laughs> I was over the world. Yes. <laughs> like it's just such a different. It's very easy to get pegged into a, a specific type, right? Like you yeah. do a character like Lincoln Clay in a big game that's well received, uh, and and there's a lot of marketing behind it and all that sort of stuff. And so everyone sort of sees you in that lens. They're like, you have a deep voice and you fit this demographic. It's weird how even doing the game has affected the way people view my ethnicity, which is- Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dominican and my family runs the gamut of, of uh, visible spectrum, right? Like they're incredibly dark to incredibly light. And right, okay. mother and father both fall on the, the rather lighter side and I have like, the darker features, but lighter skin. And it's been really interesting to see people's reactions to voicing this character and, and what that's meant and done, all of that. Yeah. Anyway, so you fall into a trap of being, being seen as just one thing. And you do it well, which is good, obviously, right? Like doing Mafia led to doing David, which led to other work, which is fantastic. That's what yeah. you want. But sometimes you want people to, to shake them up and be like, don't forget, man. I grew up as a really silly kid playing games, being in the backyard with like a, a paper towel roll as a sword and like <laughs> your friends. You know what I mean? Like playing pretend for real because you were just oh, yeah. bored and you lived in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a there's still that childishness and playfulness in me that I think people are beginning to see. They've seen it in, in theater, sort of seeing it in television and they have no idea in games only because I've never played like any light character yet. So we keep, we keep an ear out for you as an evil, tiny genius. Yeah. Exactly. To take over the world. <laughs> I don't know what the game is like, but it's there, there's one out there, you know, like, but the voice is ready. That's what matters. Exactly. <laughs> I think evil's got to be like, I think every VO wants to play an evil character at some point because right. they've got to be the most fun, right? There's something delicious about them. Like you get to relish in things that other humans just aren't allowed to you know what i mean yeah sounds and tastes and colors but even things like ah what a beautiful sunrise you know what i mean like yeah talk like that uh, <laughs> and as a villain you just get to comment on weird shit and it's kind of great <laughs> yeah that's part of the re repertoire you know <laughs> right. they're detail oriented so like they get to pick up on really tiny it's great oh it's excellent so you were actually in the UK briefly so uh, for a BAFTA, the BAFTA Games Awards for a BAFTA nomination for your performance in Mafia 3. Congratulations again. Thank you. Um, is there any chance that we'll see you in the UK again soon? To be honest, I love London, man. Um, it's really great. I have a fantastic time every time I've been there. And why the hell not? Like, <laughs> I'm thinking about coming at the end. Uh, so I go home and I'll, I'll do some Shakespeare for a while. And then I was thinking, if I don't have a gig, why not come over? Hang out. <laughs> yeah, man. We'll keep us posted. Enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So what else are you up to at the moment then? What lies in the future for you now? So I'm working on another Telltale game, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what it is or not, so I won't. Uh, okay, good call. Yeah, just to just keep myself safe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm good old NDA. from legal being like, Yo, dude, uh, sound architect, what's up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> me being like, we got a leak. It was late, man. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, 
But yeah, uh, so I've been working on that. I just started, and yeah, I'm, I'm finishing up the show on Real Here. I have one more one more episode to go to finish out season three, and then I go awesome. home to do Midsummer Night's Dream in Shakespeare in the Park. Oh, fantastic! That's a great play. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun playing Demetrius, the the dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, girl, I slept with you, but stop calling me. <laughs> Shakespeare in a nutshell. I would, I would pay to see that version of Shakespeare. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's what I'm delivering all summer in Central Park. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I got a fun question to finish off with. If you could have a drink with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, damn. It's a tricky one. This is a tricky one. This is a, a weirdly important question. <laughs> I'm not judging you, but it will say a lot about you. <laughs> you know what? I never thought I would say this. In this moment, I would like to have that drink with my father's father, who I never okay. knew. I knew him as a very sick man, and I'd be very interested to know what his experience was before that. Wow. That's pretty deep. Yeah. That's a really interesting answer. I would usually go for someone intellectual and like, try to figure out something esoteric <laughs> like want to talk to jesus about what it's like to be jewish and have everyone think you're christian huh <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what i mean no. ah, fuck that. and uh, everyone thinks i'm white what you're <laughs> 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 uh, super early super early uh, <laughs> but yeah no i think in this moment there's something about that 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 would make sense to me awesome Okay. Well, before I let you go, is there any message at all you want to give to your fans out there who may be listening? I really appreciate you guys following me across everything. Like People have been really kind to me and um, they've been incredibly supportive, like taking, playing a game and then finding a, a sh TV show that I've been in or seeing me in a play and then uh, going in and watching me in an indie film that I did. And I think that's amazing and really kind. And I'm not really sure that I deserve it, but thank you. Wow. Well, I think that's a great note to leave it on. I mean, it's been a genuine pleasure having you. I hope you've enjoyed your time with us. Yeah, Sam. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And to all of you at The Sound Architect, thank you. No, thank you. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, brother. All right. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to The Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support The Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.